0: Hello, my name is Ceci Chef from the Enwida team, and you are listening to the Enwida podcast. We conduct due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. And on the second season of this short podcast, we hope to continue bringing you the most relevant insights concerning responsible sourcing and some of the leading voices in ethical supply chains. Thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Enwider podcast. Today we're talking about how smaller companies can tackle human rights and address the new due diligence requirements on the back of the new law in Germany and the upcoming EU mandatory due diligence law expected later in 2021. So I'm excited to be joined by two guests on today's podcast, one of whom will be very familiar to our listeners. Lee, thank you again for joining us. If you're familiar with Enwider, you will of course know that Lee is our CEO and the founder of Enwider. Her data science background in research methodology gave birth to the due diligence and monitoring system that Enwida uses to monitor working conditions globally. And virtually sitting next to her and joining us from Germany is our new friend, Federica Suez. Uh, Federica is passionate about providing hands-on and tangible CSR support. She is the co-founder of Etika, a management consulting firm based in Germany and Belgium. So Etika offers a help desk, um, tailored training programs, e-learnings, and templates that assist companies on their sustainability journey. Federica and Lee, welcome to the NWIDER podcast. <laughs> that was quite an introduction, Kelly, um, sitting with two very storied individuals with a wealth of experience on the subject that we're about to talk about. Um, so let's actually dive right in. Um, have either of you noticed any bigger picture change in the types of laws being used to drive ethical practices in global supply chains? You can you can dive in first. Brilliant. Um,
1: I find it really interesting when you take a step back and look at the different waves of legislation we've seen. You know, starting with the transparency in supply chains clause that kind of opened the door to to brands being required to look down their supply chains through the kind of raft of modern slavery acts that we saw you know, in the UK, in Australia, et cetera. And then now you know, plunging into this new space of due diligence laws that have, that have come in. And I, th- I, I think that legislators have cleverly uh, recognized that the modern slavery I mean transparency in supply chains nobody's arguing that you know we didn't step up we, we didn't, didn't didn't put a foot wrong you know in that first generation of laws, but the modern slavery acts you know might have set the aspiration to kind of to essentially clean supply chains of modern slave modern slavery and forced labor may, may have been clear on setting that aspiration. But what it did was it pushed companies to assert that they that their supply chains were clean of forced labor and that they they were doing all they could, um, and essentially that ambition was so high because the elephant in the room is the fact that it is 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 forced labor and exploitative working conditions, the kind of hidden exploitation which is actually in every supply chain. So it kind of it 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 became became a bit of a Facebook scenario where everyone was claiming to have perfect lives, you know, and because they had to, because the legal framework required them to, and now it feels like we've moved into a much pragmatic, much more kind of pragmatic type of legislation where the focus is on practically what are you doing. Due diligence is all about what you're doing to try to identify, address, and prevent. Mm. So. so I, I welcome this kind of this pivot um, and I think it'll, it'll serve us much better in building sustainable supply chains.
2: Yeah. It's interesting um, what you're saying, Leah. I also think that um yeah, the increase in, I mean, we definitely see an increase in legislation, right? So it's the map, let's say it's is getting much more filled and colorful. And uh, um, we have this, um, yeah, I, I have this graphic in front of me where um, basically all countries that have some sort of, um, ethical sourcing or CSR legislation are colored, and it's really filling up, and we can see this over the last years. Um, it's interesting, and um, I would also maybe stress the the fact that um, it's also getting more difficult for companies at the same time. So you're saying it's it's a good development, and I think I can definitely agree with it until a certain extent. But also on the other hand, I think it can be quite overwhelming, and also yeah, a lot of it is based on this due diligence idea or that is repeating itself throughout uh, many of these legislations. And I'm just sometimes a bit scared that we're getting too much into the maybe reporting and making it difficult for companies rather than focusing on impact and solutions.
1: I completely hear you. Um, but I think that we've got a chance to kind of set the standards such that common, pr- you know, good practice is is companies doing what they practically can with yeah. wise advice and the right tools mm-hmm. um, and that because it's the kind of first generation of due diligence legislation in at least in Europe but, but actually globally <clears throat> what we can what we can do together as a kind of company of a community of practice is to to start to develop a kind of a, a good practice kind of good practice paradigm that's pragmatic, that's doable. And that's, I I think that's where Etika, you know, has so much to contribute essentially is, you know, to, to show companies, you know, don't, don't be, don't panic. Um, Right. (laughs) There might be a long checklist there, but actually all of it is doable if you just take these simple steps.
2: Right. Yeah, I agree. I think it can be a great starting point and maybe uh, some, yeah, useful, uh, maybe trigger, let's say, or a useful, yeah, something that brings the topic on the agenda. And then if we can find with that, because obviously legislation is, um, and I'm working with a lawyer in Etica, so she's explaining to me that legislation is supposed to be vague, right? Because it needs to fit different scenarios. So legal language is vague. So if we have this and then we complement it with, yeah, great tools and, and frameworks, then yeah, I would be with you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Would you like to discuss this with us? Be sure to reach out to us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or visit us on www.nydai.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, you. just a great conversation happening here already. Wanted to quickly recap. Um, so, Lee, you mentioned the kind of tendency of the legal framework to be quite um, outcomes-based. Just read companies just being encouraged to talk about what they've done, um, which of course, you know, masks the reality that there's really no 100% uh, slavery free supply chain. And now, and I think um, what you also mentioned, uh, Federica, is that we're kind of more getting into a a, a landscape where it's kind of more practical processes that we focus on systems, internal systems within businesses and impact. And uh, Federica, if I I can stay with you, um, and just really kind of really understand exactly how the German due diligence law compares with the EU legislation that we're expecting this Summer.
2: Yeah, so um, I guess one key element is maybe timing. So the German due diligence law is on the rise, let's say. So it's expected to be um, released. Um, so it's been the draft version has been released already, but um, it's uh, it will be proclaimed. That's the English word proclaimed um, in, a, in the next couple of months. And so then um, it will take uh, force in 2023. So companies have time right now to prepare for um for that and the EU legislation um, is still um, uh, not as not drafted yet right so uh, it's still being debated um, the legislative proposal will be uh, presented later this year so there's still more uh, question marks I think on how the EU legislative will uh, will look like but I guess what we can say already is um, that it seems like the depth of of the supply chains uh, will be different. So within the German law, you're especially required to focus on your direct business partners, whereas the EU directive seems like um, more the whole supply chain um, needs to be looked at. So, um, so more, let's say, more stringent um, requirements on, on, on risk, on, anal- on analyzing risks along the whole supply chain. And the third thing, so besides timing depth of the supply chain is liability. So on the German part, we don't have a civil liability, whereas in the EU um, directive, we m- most likely will have uh, civil liabilities as well. So I would say, um, yeah, that these are maybe some of the differences that we can already um, yeah, see. And uh, Federica, you also mentioned the
0: kind of um, specificity in the in the German due diligence law for for companies. Do you want to go into maybe some of some of what that is exactly um, what it requires of companies?
2: Yeah, so basically um, it's quite simple. So there's two main requirements for companies. The first one is for companies of a certain size to have a human rights strategy. um, And that entails five different steps. Uh, it entails uh, risk management, risk analysis, appropriate uh, preventative measures, remediation measures, and grievance. So it's the five five steps that entail uh, that are part of a human rights strategy. And those steps are also not really new, right? We've seen them in the UN guiding principles and in other national action plans. So it's uh, yeah, not too surprising. I guess the details of it um, are kind of special, but maybe we'll. I discuss that another time since it's uh, kind of a big topic. But next to the human rights um, strategy, there's also um, the requirements of communicating about your human rights strategy, and this companies uh, need to do um, in a statement, human rights statement, and also in um, in a report, which um, is something new that um, yeah hasn't been there before. So yeah, let's see how um, companies manage all these new requirements.
0: Yeah, and, and, and specifically then speaking about, you know, those companies you mentioned, I mean, the, in the German due diligence law, that is kind of more kind of like direct kind of business, uh, business partners versus the EU being kind of more across international supply chains. Right. Is there a worry that this, this
2: may be a burden for smaller companies? Yeah, so I think in general, so not just um, because of the human rights due diligence law in Germany and elsewhere, but I think generally speaking, um, smaller companies and suppliers of bigger companies that have really ambitious programs have been, maybe struggling is a negative word, but they're kind of the key, they're one of the key elements to improve working conditions um, because these suppliers that now I have in mind, they, they mostly have the relationship to, so they're just, yeah, one step down the supply chain. And I mean, we all know that human rights abuses happen at the beginning of the value chain. So basically the, um, since the requirements are passed down the supply chain, let's say the direct suppliers of big companies are often the ones that have to implement these programs Mm. really in the supply chain. So Um, They have to get active. They have to really um, get into the doing. And I think that's not easy, right? I mean, that's the hard part of it. I mean, a lot of, I think it's easy or easier maybe to say, yeah, we have these great goals and we have this idea of how we can manage it, but then we have to see how does it work in practice,
1: I think that the tricky bit with, you know, the scope of the German due diligence law and the fact that it applies to the direct suppliers or essentially to that relationship between brand and, brand and direct supplier right. is that neither the brand nor the direct supplier in some circumstances has the visibility. So, so frequently they're working with a supply chain that they don't actually know entirely where it goes to. Because <clears throat> they haven't entirely traced their supply chain. I mean, very, very few brands have, to be honest. So one of the big strains, I think, is to, is to recognise what they don't know, and then to be able to do something about that. Um, to start there. But it, but at least you know, I, I think you know, back to back to Federica's point and, and her colleagues' point about about legislation on a national level, and 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 this goes even more so for the EU law coming out is that they, they deliberately broad, broadly framed in order to be all encompassing and also in order to, you know, be, be driving better standards in an area that hasn't been done before. So I think here, you know, we'll see a lot of, well, I would hope we'd see some flexibility in in encouraging and allowing companies to do what they can immediately so to to generate you know insight and analyze risk in the in the supply sites in the supply chain that they know about have direct relationships with et etc which which the german, german German law seems to handle quite practically what'll what what will be tricky in the EU case is the kind of imp, the, the, the assumption that brands you know can can immediately push play on identifying, verifying, addressing, protecting and remediating in supply chains that they, can't, they haven't traced as yet. So yeah. I, I, do think, I do think this is one of the biggest challenges.
0: Join us for part two of this conversation as we focus on breaking down terminologies and making things concrete, particularly focusing on grievance mechanisms. How can smaller companies be practically supported to conduct due diligence in their supply chains? More on this on the next episode of the NWIDA podcast. and wider conducts due diligence and monitoring of working conditions using worker engagement technologies. We have new products and functionalities for simple and effective worker engagement, including multiple technology channels to survey workers, diverse standard surveys to measure better practices, and offer more detailed insights on particular issues facing workers. Soon, we will also be releasing our worker engagement benchmarks, to better identify the biggest challenges regarding working conditions in various sourcing regions and sectors around the world. If you'd like to know how we use simple, smart mobile tech and support to gather anonymous insight from workers, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at nwidei.com. That's it from us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to follow us on our social media platforms to keep up to date with all things and wider, and look out for our next installment. Goodbye.